Thank you so much for joining me in today's broadcast of Dynamic Web Church. I know that you're going to be touched by this message. It's a privilege for me to come to you and just share the gospel of God's unconditional love with people all over the world. Thank you for slotting in if you're part of this live broadcast. <clears throot> if you're not, if you just um, uh, slot it into the archive and watching it there, man, you are just as welcome. Know that this message is alive. It's not a time-bound thing. This message has been living in the heart of God before the world was even created. The idea of God living inside us and that we will be holy, blameless before Him in love in Jesus Christ. That has been in the heart of God all the time. So the only way in which we can be holy, blameless, above approach before Him is in the love that He has for us, which is Jesus Christ. And without being in Jesus Christ, we can forget about it. There's no other way of walking holy before God. And so our holiness is not determined by our works. It is determined by what Jesus Christ has done. And if we simply just believe that and take part in that. Um, if you've got any sickness in your body today, we're also going to pray for those that are sick. You can know that, that God wants you well. He wants you healed. He wants you blessed and prosperous. And the greatest way that I've seen God does that is by first working in our hearts and just giving us the attitude of Jesus concerning these things. Amen. Let's just pray together and then I'm going to share a little bit about finances. Uh, we're going to go into the worship and then I'm going to share the word that's on my heart for you for today. Father, I want to thank you for every person that is watching. I thank you, my God, that their hearts are touched and prepared by your Holy Spirit. I thank you that you are um, as involved in their ear as what you are, in my words, um, aligning their hearts and their spirits to hear the gospel of grace. Holy Spirit, thank you that you speak through me in a powerful way that I can preach in such a way that a lot of faith can arise in the hearts of people. In Jesus' mighty name, Amen. Amen. The other day I um, read in a magazine <coughs> that uh, the great city in, in the Middle East, Dubai, that has just been, I mean, the city is one of the most modern, growing, biggest, I mean, <laughs> developing cities in the world. They, they've, they've got the highest building in the world. They've got the, they, they were busy building the biggest theme parks in the world, something like three, four times the size of Disney World. It is just something that, that people couldn't believe how quick these people in 10 years could build a city like Dubai, and I read in a magazine that the city is basically bankrupt. And that happened because of this um, economic crisis that's in the world. People are losing their jobs. People are going through hard times. And um, <clears throat> if we look at, at the world and people that could plan and understand economics and know what they do um, could fall into a trap like that and lose billions of dollars just overnight... Um, then it can bring fear to the hearts of people. But I want to just share something concern, something about finances with you. Share two scriptures and I believe that it can bring peace to your heart. The first one is, is in Matthew and um, I share this basically every time. But this to me is the scripture concerning finances. This one connected with 2 Corinthians 8 verses 9. I'd like to read Matthew 6. Um, and let's read from verse 31. Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? 
or what shall we drink, or wherewith shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. Now it says here that the, the, Gentiles, the Gentiles seek after stuff. They run after stuff. But our God knows that we have need of those things. So God doesn't come and say, well, all you need is just my, my love in your heart and that's all you need. You don't need food. You don't need clothes. You don't need a place to stay. He says that He knows that you have need of all those things. The things that Gentiles or the unbelievers chase after. God says He knows that we need those things. And the context in which it's written is that we should not even take care of those things or worry about those things. For um, in verse 26 it says, Look at the birds of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into bonds, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much better or worth more than they? Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto your stature? And why take ye thought of clothes? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast in the oven, shall he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith. Now, what's wonderful here is, if you look at little faith and great faith and all those things, you see that great faith in the Bible, there's two instances in the Bible where Jesus spoke to people and said, Great is your faith. And that was the centurion, um, which was a Roman, a Roman, and the Syrophoenician woman, which was um, not, also not a Jew, she was a Gentile. And they came and they said, Jesus, we are not worthy. Jesus said to the woman, you're not worthy that I heal you. And she said, well, you are so good that you can even heal those that don't qualify. And her faith was accounted to her for righteousness according to Romans chapter 4. Let me read that to you. Romans chapter 4. She said, I don't qualify, Lord, but you are good enough to qualify those and bless those that don't qualify. Let me just get Romans there quickly. Um, it's very important that we understand these things because this is the building blocks on which our faith is built and what we believe. It says, What shall we say then that Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh is found? If Abraham were justified by works, he has whereof to glory, but not before God. For what says the scripture? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. But to him that works not, but believes on him that justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. It says, but to him that works not, but believes on him that can trust in him that justifies those that don't qualify, his faith is counted for righteousness. So here it, um, here it says, uh, the, 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 uh, uh, if, if you look at this, he says, listen man, don't worry about these things. Don't worry about these things. Why do you worry about these things? Um, you are of little faith. Don't worry about your clothes. Don't worry about those things. So many times we worry about these things because we think, what shall we do to qualify so that we can be blessed? Let's rest our minds in a God that qualifies and blesses people that don't qualify. 
you might not qualify for blessing financially because of the situation, because of the economy, because of your qualifications or whatever. But we don't trust in that. We rest our minds in somebody that is willing to bless birds that's got no qualification or right to be blessed above humans. And God blesses birds. They don't obey any law. They don't work any principle of sowing and reaping. They do nothing. According to our standards of qualification, they are basically just sponging off the human race. Especially if you look at, um, at, at, at some, of, some of the farmers. I mean, they hate the birds. Because the birds eat their crops. You know, and, and I've looked at the birds. I don't say that the birds must come and devour. I'm not for a pest or, a, or something like that or disaster. But I mean, God cares for birds. And in our minds, they don't qualify. We can just kill all of them. You know, but God also cares for them. How much more? You, you are worth more than they to God. So, what he was actually saying here is, when we worry about our finances, when we worry, what will we eat tomorrow? How will we be clothed? And we can even spiritualize this and talk about righteousness. How will we be righteous enough before God? Don't worry about those things. With man, it is not possible, but with God, all things are possible. I mean, it's possible for God to bless you and see you through in this time. Now, just to give you some practical advice is, I believe that, and you might say this is a law or something like that, but I've got enough scripture to back that, and that is that God will meet our needs. But I don't think He's, he's interested in supplying your greeds. Now, you might say, Bakhti, but where's the line now? Because that is now a law. I believe there's no line. What is your need? My need is to go to Zimbabwe and preach the gospel there on Monday and I needed a plane ticket and God provided that. And then I will need to go and do some other conference and we need, there's certain needs in the spreading of the gospel which costs a lot of money. And God meets those needs. It's just the way it is. But um, I, I feel, and, and this is just my mindset, is that um, God meets our needs in accordance to His riches in glory, which is by Christ Jesus, which is the grace message. I don't think that if I need the the um, the if, if I now need an aeroplane just to feel good about myself, that God's into that because He will He's got a much better way to meet that need, and that is through a revelation of the gospel of grace. He can talk to you. He can send somebody. He can speak to you in a dream and all those things. And I find that a lot of the, the Western world, we, we're so caught up in our possessions. You know, it's, um, it's like I said, we, we can't even see straight. When a preacher buys a sound system, he forgot the purpose of a sound system. And the purpose of a sound system is so that people can hear. When, when people buy cameras, they buy cameras not for the purpose that the other person can see him on this side, but for the purpose of, well, I don't want to buy something less than somebody else because if they come to my studio or to my um, church, at least they must see I've got the best. And people are basically... The other day I saw a guy advertise the VT5 system, you know, that he bought to edit weddings. He, he takes his handycam... 
and uh, take a wedding and comes and edits with a VT5 system. I mean, it is that is used for television broadcasting, and he uses that. It, and that is what happens because people can't see the thing for what it really is, and that which is your need, my friend. If you've got kids and go to school, I believe that that bill will be paid. They need to go to school. You need food. You know, you need a house to stay. God meets those needs. You don't have to worry about those things. Look at the birds of the air. Rest in God. Come to this, come to the conclusion that God loves you and cares for you. You know, yesterday somebody on Facebook wrote and said to me, uh, Bertie, but I believe, um, you know, the gospel of grace, but I don't see f- uh, manifestation concerning finances in my life the way I want to see that. And, um, so she said she believes, but she don't see this manifestation. So then I answered her this way. You know, we had elections in South Africa now, and the ANC, um, they won the elections. And we don't believe that they've won the elections so that we can get anything from them. Maybe um, we didn't even vote for them. Even if you didn't vote for them, we believe, we, we are persuaded, we've got faith that they won the election because they won the election. That's why we believe that. That's why we are persuaded about that. Because it is so. Not to get anything from them. Um, because what you said is, if we don't see a manifestation, then we become, it's almost like hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. It's like this, the, the manifestation of this thing that is deferred or procrastinated or whatever, it, it makes the heart grow sick. We, we can't believe anymore because it's not happening. Um, and then I said, I also wrote this, I said, do you believe that you've got a daughter or a child? Of course, yes, they believe that. Do you get tired of believing that? No, you don't. Because you believe it because it is so. <laughs> you don't believe for anything. You believe it because it is so. And I want to tell you, when it comes to finances, my friend, rest your mind in the fact of what happened on the cross. Because the moment you do that, your eyes will be open to what God does for you. I can sit here right now and I can make a list of what I don't have. But I thank God for what I do have. Here I sit, there are people here with me in the studio. We are broadcasting a broadcast, you know, all over the world. We've got our computers here. We can preach. We've got a studio. I've, at my house, I've got my own studio. It's awesome. Um, you know, it's, it's like, what a life! You know, tomorrow I'm flying to Zimbabwe. We're going to have a wonderful crusade there, expecting thousands of people. I've been invited to this crusade. I didn't carry any of the costs of those, that crusade. I can look at all of that. But if I go and I look at other things, if I look at my neighbor's house, and if I look at uh, people down the street's car, and I look at those things, and I look at another man's boat, an airplane, and other ministries, then I'll become despondent. But the moment my mind is at rest, at God cares for me, and my focus is the gospel of grace, my friend, then I find peace come to my heart. And I find that I can see and identify the provision of God in my life. Amen. Well, um, I, I believe that this can bring peace to your heart. And you might say, but Bertie, how does giving work? How does giving work in the kingdom of God? It's very easy. Let's quickly go there to um, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 8. This is such a powerful, powerful scripture. 
when it comes to, um, to giving. I've never read something as powerful as this. It says in 2 Corinthians 8 verse 1, it says, Moreover, brethren, we do to witness of the grace of God bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia. What he says is, man, basically, I want to just testify about the grace that was upon the churches in Macedonia. How that in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty, they abound unto the riches of their liberty. Now, I want you to listen to this carefully. Let me read verse 2 again so that you can see what is going on there. It says, How that in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberty. For to their power I bear record, yes, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we should receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering of the saints. So what is it saying here? It is saying that these people were so liberated by grace that even while they were poor, they begged the apostles to take their donation for the poor churches um, in other areas. So here was a church that wasn't that well off, but they were so liberated by the gospel of grace that they didn't look at what they don't have. They looked at what they did have and there was such a compassion. They were so liberated from being stingy. They were so liberated from fear of not having. They were so liberated by knowing that provision is by God. So the grace of God, God's influence unto man came so powerfully upon them that they simply uh, um, gave. So that's how giving works in the church. If you still feel that thing, well, I can't give, you know, I'm so scared. Study how God provides for you. Study how He, he cares for you free from the law. Study how He unconditionally cares for you. When you study that out, when you know all of that, you will find that the grace of God will start to work in your heart. Study the scripture that says, He was rich and He became poor, so you through His poverty might be made rich. Study that out and you will, you will find liberty coming to your heart. Amen. Well, that is so, so awesome. The, the piece that we're going to talk about is just uh, to stay in the gospel of grace and the importance that there is to stay in the gospel of grace. It is um, Peter in the time... You know, so many times we think that because people are great men of God and because they've got signs, wonders, miracles, everything they say and do is just right. And I want you to know that we must be careful when it comes to that. I'm not trying to say that we should live in fear. All that I say is that we believe the gospel, we're followers of the gospel, we're not followers of man. I don't want you to become what I call a Bertie Knight or a Peter Knight or a whatever. You're not followers of Bertie. You're not followers of Joseph Prince. You're not followers of Kenneth Hagen or Copeland or Hinn or whoever. You're not followers of man. We are followers of Jesus Christ and believers of the gospel of Jesus. That's what we believe. And those that don't stick to wholesome doctrine, those who don't, when, you don't, when people don't stick to the thing that is the grace message, 
We don't have to follow them. We don't have to listen to that. Paul even said, even if I, Paul, come and preach another message to you, see this as the curse. In other words, so many times we say, let him be accursed. The way, what that means is, see that as part of the curse here as the law message. And here we can see that uh, some of the great apostles of Jesus, like Peter, fell back under the law system. And um, Peter started to deviate from the gospel of grace. And here we can see Paul correcting him. And uh, we, that's just a background of this, and Paul spoke about this. So I want to pick it up and just read here from verse 11, Galatians 2.11. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face, because he was to be blamed. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come... He withdrew and separated himself, fearing them that were of the circumcision. So, what happened was, Peter was, there was a meeting they held, and Peter came and he was chatting with Paul and the Gentile people, because he had this experience, the Gentiles can be justified by faith. But when the Jewish people came, he couldn't stick to what he believed, and he because in his heart he mixed this thing and he was scared of people and he became um, part of the teaching that says you need to circumcise yourself. And he uh, and the other Jews, um, sorry, and the other Jews dissembled likewise with him insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their hypocrisy. Verse, 15, verse 14. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If you being a Jew live after the manner of Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why do you compel, why compelest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? Now let me explain that, many people can't understand that. What I was saying is, you were just now eating with us in a manner that is wrong according to the Jewish tradition. So you were wrong concerning that, you were in the flesh concerning that, uh, the Jewish standards. You weren't living like a Jew. You were living like the Gentiles. You were here with us. You had a drink of wine with us. You ate here with us. Um, you ate with unwashed hands, for instance. You didn't keep to the Jewish way. And now that the Jewish people come, now you're drawn away with their hypocrisy. And all of a sudden you stand with their doctrine that says you need to live like a Jew. And that's why it says, but when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter, before them all, if you being a Jew, live after the manner of Gentiles, because that's what he just did. You know, he just, and he said this before all the Jews in front of everybody. He rebuked Peter like that. And not as the Jews, why do you compel the Gentiles to live as the Jews? Now listen to this, we who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles. So what he is saying, we that are Jews of nature and not seen as sinners the way the Gentile people are seen by the Jewish people. You must re remember, the Jews didn't see themselves as sinners. They saw Gentiles are sinners. They are the people of God, they're not sinners. The Gentiles are sinners for they're not part of the covenant. We, are, we who are Jews by nature and not Gentiles, or sinners like the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we as Jews, 
have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners, is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. So what he says here is, if people fall back under the law system like what Peter did, is that now Christ leading him to do that? He says, no, God forbid, because Peter is now actually seen as a sinner because he is deviating from the faith. Now, let me explain this. I want to make this clear. Peter was eating with Paul and the Gentiles at a certain meeting. I think it was in in Acts also recorded. They were eating together. They were enjoying with each other. Then, later on, the Jewish people, which was his friends, came And they were all in hypocrisy. They said, well, you need to be circumcised. You need to follow the customs of Moses and all those things. And here was Peter now, living between two worlds. He was living in the world of compromise. He said with the Jewish people, well, you need to be... um, Let's get these Gentiles to follow after all these traditions. So Peter shaved his hair the way they... He didn't shave his hair. He had all those long hair and he... he, I'm sure he still put that box on his head and, you know, all those things the Jewish people did. He just continued like that, still believing um, in Jesus and then compelling other people to do that. But when he came to the Gentiles, he just left all those things and just became like a Gentile there and ate with them. And when the Jewish people came, then he fell into that hypocrisy, even brought Barnabas into that. So that was not just a stand-up thing and, and go and stand with the Jewish people. It was a discussion there. That's what I believe. And then Peter was, uh, then Paul was so upset that he rebuked Peter and said, man, before these guys came, and he basically exposed him publicly there, <laughs> And said, before these guys came, you lived like a Gentile. Now you want to get the Gentiles to live like Jews, but you live like the Gentile. What, what is this thing all about? And then he said, we that are Jews, or of Israel, even we believed in Jesus, so that we might be justified by his faith, for we know that you cannot be justified by the works of the law. But if we, or if somebody like Peter now, is now seen as a sinner by not living by faith anymore, is Christ the minister of that? So what he was saying is, don't think that when a man of God, if you want to put it like that, is now getting back under the law, that Christ is now a minister of that sin. Because that is seen as sin. Christ is not the minister of that. That is just, and this is what Paul says here, for if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I through the law am dead to the law that I might live unto God. So what he says is, I've I've died through the law, I'm dead to the law that I might live unto God, and now if I rebuild these things, it is I who make myself a transgressor. It is not the leading of God. So, if you see people, you know, that are, really in the grace of God, living in the grace of God, and all of a sudden they become full of the Lord. Don't think that's the leading of God. It's not the leading of God. Even if it was Peter himself. Imagine Peter could appear here today and 
preach the gospel and then become full of the law again and drawn away in hypocrisy, what is our job as the church? What should, how should we handle that? We should handle that in a way that says, well, I'm not going to flow with that. I'm going to stick to the gospel of grace. Paul even said, even if an angel comes and preach a different gospel, because in those days you found so many angels coming, and this is what I believe, sharing and spreading and helping to get this gospel to people that they could understand the message of grace because it was hidden. They didn't know it. And people would come and say, but an angel said this to me. And then it was a law message. He says, even if it's an angel that say those things, don't listen to it. So what it means is, it doesn't matter how supernatural the package is in which the message comes. The package does not determine the truth of the message. If somebody sees the dead being raised, if they see uh, uh, gold dust fall upon them, oil dripping from them, um, the, just cancers being healed and all of that, that does not make the word that they preach true. The word that is preached is a simple word. This is the word. Through one man, Adam, sin came into the world. And through one man's sin, we all became sinners and died. And we were held in death. The death we were held was under the law. Then one man came, Jesus Christ, and he obeyed on behalf of all of man and brought reconciliation between God and man. And this is how that reconciliation came. Because God didn't impute our trespasses against us, but He put it upon Jesus 2,000 years ago. And from that time until today, there's an invitation that stands that says, See, there's no separation between you and God. There's no law that tells a Gentile you cannot come to God. There's no law that tells a Jew you are disqualified. There is just this one thing. Come now boldly to the throne room of grace and be ye now reconciled unto God by simply believing this message. And that is what it says. And any other gospel, and that simple gospel, as I've explained this now, will not have and produce the fruit that you desire, my friend. It will not do that. Let's read verse 16 again. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. So what must we know? We must know that we are not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Then, then Paul says, even we that are Jews, that, are un- that were under the law, seen as God's people. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ. Why? That we might be justified by the faith of Christ. So what he was saying actually is, this is what you must know, that Christ brings forth salvation to you. Therefore we believed in Him so that the salvation that He brings forth might be manifested in me. Different words. We know that salvation is through Christ without the works of the law. Therefore we believe that we might be saved. Amen. Now there is no other gospel than than this simple gospel. Now if you want to, um, you know we, we had a lot of talk about the doctrine of inclusion and many of you might not even know what it is but that's a doctrine that says you don't even need faith. 
You know, everybody is already saved. doesn't matter what you do, everybody is saved. Without faith, you are already saved. Now, that is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you want to preach that, that sounds like a very good news. Don't use the Bible. Write your own book, you know, and start to preach that. Because that is not in the Bible. Just in First John, if you just take First John um, and you type in the word believe and the word faith, uh, you, you can't explain all those scriptures with that other mentality that everybody's already saved. Everybody's not saved. Salvation has appeared unto all men. Jesus Christ died for the sins of the whole world so that those who believe that might be saved by what God has done in Jesus Christ. So let's open our hearts for the purity that there is in the Word of God. So let's just read the scripture again, so powerful, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the hearing of by but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ. Why? That we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Okay, let's go to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3 and we're going to read from verse 22. Romans 3, Romans chapter 3 and we're going to read from verse 22. It says, Even the righteousness of God, which is by the faith of Jesus, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. Let's read from verse uh, 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by the faith of Jesus Christ unto all, and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned, and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace, through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ, whom God has set forth to be the sacrifice through faith, the propitiation through faith in His blood, to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins, that are passed through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say, and this time, at this time His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier of him which believe in Jesus. Now, man, that is the simplicity of the gospel. One thing I want to say to you, many of you that watch this, maybe you preachers, pastors, maybe you just like to testify and, and share the gospel. When we share the gospel, my friend, and this is just a little bit of wisdom, don't use your own terminology when it comes to the sharing of the gospel. Use Bible terminology. So when you want to talk about salvation, you want to talk about how people get saved, use, use what the Bible says the way Paul said it here. What did he say? He said clearly that we are not justified by our works, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Therefore we believe in Him that He might be just and the justifier of Him which believes in Jesus. So that's it. We don't have to add to the gospel. We don't have to take away from the gospel. He's the justifier of everyone 
who believes and is just and the justifier of everyone that believes by his faith and that the righteousness of God listen to this it says to declare I say at this time his righteousness that might that he might be just and the justifier of him which believe in Jesus so what do we declare we declare the righteousness of Jesus what is the righteousness of Jesus the right the word righteousness in Romans 8 from verse 1 it says there that word righteousness means the equitable deed done the good thing done so what we declare is the good thing done by Jesus Christ so that he might be just because it is a just thing that he did it was a right thing and that he might be the justifier of him which believes in Jesus so when we declare the good thing done by Jesus that he obeyed on our behalf that he died on our behalf then he is just it was a just work that he did and he is the justifier of everyone that can believe that and say I believe this with my heart and I confess this as lordship over me that person is then justified by the faith of Jesus and by the work that Jesus Christ has done. Amen. Now, let's go to um, Gal- uh, 2nd, 2nd Corinthians. 2nd Corinthians 5. 2nd Corinthians 5. And we're going to read from verse 15. No, let's read verse 14. It says, For the love of Christ constrain us, because we judge this, that if one died, then were all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live themselves, but him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yes, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new, and all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and has given unto us the ministry of reconciliation, to testify that God was in Christ reconciling the whole world unto himself, not imputing the trespasses unto them, and has committed unto us this word of reconciliation. So, what is this word of reconciliation? God has reconciled the whole world unto us by not imputing their trespasses. Now, then, we are ambassadors of Christ, as through God, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. So, what he says is, God says, I bring reconciliation. I bring a plan of reconciliation to you. And this is the plan of reconciliation. I don't, because of what Jesus Christ has done, I don't impute your trespasses against you. Come now and receive the forgiveness of sins. That is what he is saying there. Come now and receive the forgiveness of sins. Amen. Um, that computer went off there. Okay, sorry, I've got to just check things a bit. So, this, we can't come to a place where we say, well, I am not justified by the works of Jesus Christ. I am not justified by, by um, well, I, and, I, and I am justified by my works. We can't say that. There's justification for us 
in Jesus Christ by what is done. But we need to come to a place where we say, Father, I accept this forgiveness. Maybe you've been listening to the gospel of grace. You've been listening to my website, to websites of other people. And you are still investigating this gospel. Let me tell you, the best thing for you to do is to say, I accept that I am completely forgiven by Jesus. And that is what He has done for me. You know, when I go to the crusade field, I don't preach and say to people, well, you know, your sins aren't forgiven. It can be forgiven if you now start to believe. That's not the gospel. That's not what we preach. What we preach is that God reconciled the whole world unto Himself by not imputing their trespasses against them. And how did He not impute? By paying for their sins in Jesus Christ. The sins of the world has been dealt with in Jesus. It has been paid for. So what He said is, there was a separation between me and you. And that was sin. And He fulfilled the law. He obeyed the law on behalf of man. And then He took the punishment part as well 2,000 years ago. There's nothing you can do about it. He didn't need your faith to do it. He, he did it on your behalf, finished in Clark 2,000 years ago. Now, when we come, we come in faith of what is done. That's what we preach. We say, Jesus paid for your sins. What did, we, what did uh, Paul preach in Acts 13.38? He says, Men and brethren, we declare unto you the forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ. We preach unto you, you forgiven. Then... What must they then do? They must believe that because the moment you believe that and then you say, Lord, I willfully come and I partake of what you've done 2,000 years ago, then that truth manifests in your life and then you are part of that kingdom. But before that, the wrath of God remains towards you. You still stand on a law system because, not because we are judged by God or judged by our sins. We, the words of God judges us because we don't want to believe that and make use of that. Amen. It's like the parable where Jesus said, you know, there's a banquet, uh, there was a feast and He invited the people and the one guy said, well, I can't come because I'm working. One says, I'm getting married. The other one says, I bought this. The other one is busy with business, speaks of the law. I'm busy working. Then he said to the others, well, invite all the others then. And he invited them and they came. And then there came a, came a man that wasn't clothed with the right clothes. He wasn't clothed in the, in, in the clothes of the feast. He was clothed in his own righteousness. He says, there's no place for you here. So what he was saying was, I've prepared a place for every man. The food's there. The table's there. Everything is said. But all that you must do is say, well, I believe that is for me. And I come. And I partake of that. Without you believing that, my friend, it is impossible for you to have that life in your heart. We need to have access into that by faith. Now, let's go to Romans 5. Romans 5, verse 2. Romans 5, verse 2. Romans 5, it says here, now listen to this, Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace. What is this grace? To be justified by the faith of Jesus, wherein we stand and rejoice in the confident expectation of the full manifestation of glory in our immortal bodies. And not only so, 
but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation works patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope makes not a shame, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die, but God commendeth his love towards us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath, uh, from wrath through him. Now listen to this. What he's saying here is, that there is a wrath to come. And that, that wrath that is to come, is a wrath that will be executed towards everybody that refused this wonderful sacrifice in Jesus Christ. And I'm not trying to put fear on you. All I'm, read, I'm just reading Romans chapter 5, and that is what it says. There is a wrath to come, and that wrath will be towards those that refused this wonderful sacrifice. Now, this is the way in which that wrath will manifest. There's going to be a day when Jesus Christ comes back. <clears throat> when Jesus comes back in physical form, then we will find that He will glorify the bodies of every person in which He is, in which the Spirit of God dwells. Now, there are many teachings that says, you know, that um, when Jesus Christ comes, there are teachings that says, you know, Jesus Christ comes back, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was the return of Jesus Christ. Well, man, just wake up, smell the coffee, read the Bible in the morning, and then it's all over, that, that doctrine is settled. Amen. You just read the Bible. We don't have to twist any, just read the Bible. Paul was writing in all his books, Peter was writing in all his writings, they said, we expect something to happen. We've got a hope as a church. We expect the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when we expect that return of the Lord Jesus Christ, we know that something's going to happen. There's an expectancy in our hearts when it comes to the return of Jesus. Amen. Then there are those that say, Jesus Christ, like I said, has already returned. It wasn't the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, but now the return of Christ is the manifestation of Jesus in your life as you believe the gospel. <laughs> That's called bearing fruit, my friend. That's not called the return of Jesus. The return of Jesus, people expected it, go and read the book of Hebrews. The whole book of Hebrews was actually there to tell people, continue in the faith. Why do you think was Hebrews 10 written, Hebrews 11? Hebrews 11, the whole book, whole chapter Hebrews 11 was saying, don't lose faith. Continue to believe. Because by faith, people received the dead being raised. That's what they teach there. By faith, Abraham inherited. By faith, this guy, they did whatever they did. By faith, it manifested. So, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The proof of the unseen. So, if you continue to believe, you will find the true manifestation, the proof of it. And then it even goes on and say that those, there are those that died in faith without receiving the promise. They died, but it didn't change the truth. It is still the truth. So much, the, the context is Jesus will come back in physical form. And when He comes back, we will find that 
where His Spirit dwells, there where His Spirit is, inside the, the human being, the Spirit inside that person will glorify the body to be in the very same image and likeness as the glorified body of Jesus, having immortality. We will be changed in the twinkling of an eye. And that's the expectation we have as Christians. And I want to speak a bit about that today because um, if we don't understand these things, we're going to expect things that's supposed to manifest in the return of the Lord in this age and you're going to become despondent. You're going to expect, you, you're going to expect the prosperity that's supposed to manifest in the return of the Lord, the immortality that's supposed to manifest in the return of the Lord. You're going to expect those things today. Guess what? You're not going to get it. And then we're not going to get it. You're going to start to do introspection, checking out what's wrong with your own life. And because you look at your own mistakes and shortcomings, you find that you're going to start to doubt the Word of God. My friend, uh, Paul, if we take the life of Paul and we put it into the typical prosperity teaching today, he doesn't qualify. He's seen as somebody with hidden sin, my friend. He's seen as somebody that, um, th- that the curse of God's upon him. He would not even be noticed amongst preachers today. He wouldn't. Paul didn't have the prosperity that I have today, financially wise. He didn't have that. What made him rich was the revelation he had upon grace. Paul said, we are poor but we make many rich. <laughs> Amen. Isn't that wonderful? Paul sat in jail. And when he came out of jail, he lived with somebody. When he came to a place, he says, please ask that guy that I can stay there at his house. He didn't say, well, I just stay in the inn. Hallelujah. Bless God. And there I drip with the anointing. He didn't do that. He just was a normal guy. A normal person. Being so enriched with the gospel. That is so full. But what happened is, we took a, 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 the perfection that will be in the return of Jesus. And we tried to manifest that thing in this world. And now we disqualify people. People don't attain unto that. They, they don't reach that. And they feel that they are disqualified. There's something wrong with their lives. They don't feel that they've reached into the place or the place where Christ wants for them. Let me tell you, once you've believed on Jesus and you understand this gospel of grace, you are complete, my friend. You're complete. You can live in a shack and be complete. You can have old shoes and be complete. In Christ, our completion, our perfection is not measured by what we wear and where we stay. I'm not saying that God will not meet our needs. In the beginning I said that I know it's the line cut off. But, man, that is, that is so. God meets our needs. But we can't say, you know, we must have this full manifestation of glory floating on clouds. You know, just seeing these visions all the time and, and um, never have anything bad happen to us as if we live in another world. No. That's not what the Bible promised. The judgment, and this is what I'm trying to explain to you, the judgment that God talks about here is He will come back, He will glorify everybody in which His Spirit is, and the other person that will not have that will have everything but 
what and where God is. And to me, that is condemnation. Somebody asked me now, how is hell? I've never been there, I don't know, but I tell you, I don't want to go there. It's not a good place. It's everything but love. It's everything but the presence of God. It's everything but to be uh, um, comforted. It's anything but peace. It's every, anything but healing and joy and righteousness. It's everything but that. And that is how I see that judgment. It says, but God commanded His love towards us. Let's read verse 10. For in, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by His death, by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled shall we be saved by His life. So we'll be saved from death. We'll be saved from condemnation. We'll be saved from the second death. We'll be saved from all those things by His life. So my friend, as Christians, what do we do as Christians to go unto perfection? If you want to call it that way. We simply believe what Jesus Christ has done for us and we just preach the gospel, share it with people and we wait for the life of Jesus Christ in His return to manifest those things and rest. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Let me tell you my friend, and this is the way I live my life. And you can say, but Bertie, you don't fly a helicopter. Since when is a helicopter and a big airplane and uh, the biggest house in the world, the, measuring, the, the, the measurement for success or for the work of Jesus Christ? We don't measure by that. You don't measure temperature with a scale. You don't do that. You don't measure temperature with a ruler. <laughs> you don't do that's a wrong you can't measure like that. You take the ruler, it's thirty centimeters long, and now from that you want to determine what the temperature is. You don't do that. You use a thermometer. That's what you use to see how hot it is. So when it comes to holiness and righteousness, we don't use um, what manifests in our lives. Because Paul clearly said in Romans 8 that neither death nor life nor tribulation, nakedness, peril, the sword. That nakedness wasn't when he baths or takes a shower. It was when he doesn't even have clothes to wear. He's got nothing. Not even that can separate me from the love that there is in Christ Jesus. And what is this love? That, that those whom he called he saved, He justifies and glorifies. That's Romans 8. That, that is what it is. So we are in that. So church of Jesus Christ, when we go through this uh, economic crisis, when you go through things in your life, I don't say God cannot help you. I don't say God can't give you wisdom and how to deal with that. He gives us wisdom. The Bible says when you go through tribulation, ask God for wisdom. The Bible says Jesus Christ was made the wisdom of God for us. See the gospel of Jesus. See what he tells you. Listen to his voice. Go with his guidance. Paul, God said to Paul through prophets, don't go to Jerusalem. There you're going to suffer. He didn't listen. He did it. He suffered. God even saved him out of that. God can guide you. He can lead you. The Son of God, Jesus Christ, God told his, uh, his parents, Joseph and Mary, flee to Egypt. <laughs> He went, well, I'm the Son of God with all authority. Herod's not going to do anything to me. You know, this is the Son of God, the baby Jesus. 
No, they had to flee. So there's a place where we listen to God and we, 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 we hear His voice and we go by the guidance of the Holy Spirit, my friend. We do that. But know this one thing. You can't measure your righteousness, your success, or any of those things by how much money you have, how many people come to your church, and what your influence sphere is. Because that's a wrong measuring, a very low or actually no way of measuring. The way we measure is by the finished work of Jesus Christ. And what we do is, we believe this gospel, we share this gospel, we get involved in the spreading of this gospel, and then we know Jesus will return. And if He doesn't return in my life, He will return. And thank God that those that are alive at His return will not have a privilege above me because I will first then be raised from the dead according to 1 Corinthians 15. Then they will be changed and we will be in the very same glory and those that are in the glory of God we will adore what God has done in our lives. And those that have not believed this, that doesn't have the Holy Spirit inside them, they will not be part of this. They will not be part of the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. That is, that is the simplicity of the gospel. We don't have to have anything else. You know, if you tell me, Bertie, you must now become um, as... The, the, we must now get the wealth of the wicked over to the church. We must now do that by tithing or sowing and reaping. You know, when you just preach that, I'm tired. What about now even doing it? That just tires people out. It makes one person rich and that's the guy to whom that money is given. And that's all. This thing of people prospering through that, that is nonsense. It is not the gospel. People don't prosper through that. I've got uh, a guy sent me an email now. He said that he paid tithes, double tithes, sold cars and everything and now he's suffering. He's given everything away. He's living with his parents. <laughs> and God's not coming through and it's now years. So when is it now? When's the season? Now, now what happens is people are going to say he's lazy, he needs to work, he's got some secret sin. Listen man, he applied the principle the thing doesn't work. That's as simple as what it is. We must come to a place where we realize that as the body of Christ, we're not called to change the world. We're not called to change a nation. We are called by God according to Matthew 28. Let's read, let me read to you if you want to know what is the full calling of the church. We read it in Matthew 28 and in Mark 16. Matthew 28. Verse 19. And when I hear this, I feel I can do it. But if you tell me, take over the world and govern the world, I don't feel I can do it. Because we haven't been given the anointing to do that. Verse 18. And Jesus, and Jesus came, spoke unto them, saying, All power is given unto me, Jesus, in heaven and in earth. So, to whom does the power belong in heaven and in earth? To you? No, no. It says to Jesus. Amen. Then it says, Go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And that is to believe on Jesus. And one of the things that he also taught them there was that power was given unto him and that he is coming back to his people. 
And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. So there's going to be an end of the world. When He will come, He'll be with us through the Holy Spirit. Go and preach this gospel. That's it. So, if we as the body of Christ know that we can go and preach the gospel. You know, I feel it's so easy for me to share the gospel. But if, if you tell me, convince the world through the prosperity you have and the big car you drive and, and the size of your big screen television and the surround sound system that's in your house and, and um, you know, by the clothes you wear, try and get a, 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 a Muslim or a Jew to believe and let them become jealous of you through that. I feel tired. I feel, oh Lord, I, I'm not going to qualify. I don't qualify. Because I look at what they drive. I mean, the one guy in Saudi Arabia, he drives a, a fully silver Audi. Not painted silver. The thing is made out of silver. Audi. A8. They, they drive Bentleys made out of silver. And Rolls Royces. I mean, do you think you're going to impress that guy when you come <laughs> with your X5 BMW? They're going to laugh at you. And you know what? If you drive what he drives, he only sees you as a competition. What we do is we don't try and fall into the world's trap of measuring stuff. We've been given a gospel that says we are not justified by the works of the law. We believe upon Jesus Christ, therefore we are justified by His faith. Now we've got the power of the Holy Spirit to go and preach the gospel to the poor. Tell them about Jesus, that they can hear the gospel and be saved through faith. Amen. Not trying to prove anything. I want to tell you, my friend, Jesus Christ has come to set you free from performance. So many times we just feel that we're under this performance thing all the time. Performance, performance. Jesus Christ came to die for us that we're not under the law to be justified by the law. But now in the church we've got this message is, well, you must now impress people by what you drive and where you stay and all those type of things. And uh, then try and manifest Christ to such a way that the whole world's now going to believe. No, no, the Bible says, let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works. That's all. See how you love each other. See how you care for each other. That's all. You know, I've, I've got a friend and um, I must honest, be honest, I see the love of Jesus Christ in him. You know, when what I see manifest in him, that makes the richest person see that that is something that's awesome. The Bible says, By this will all men know that you are my disciples, by the love that you have one for each other. Not by the size of the room that's on your car. <laughs> not by the type of TV you've got in your house. Not by the type of stage you have in your church. Not by the type of leather jacket you wear. Not by the type of friends you hang out with. But simply by the love that you have for each other. Amen. You know, in my heart, when I see the gospel of grace, there's a compassion and a love for that. There's a love for brethren, you know, that's in this message, that believes this gospel. We are born of the same seed, born of the same word. A protection that comes just out of that. And I want to tell you, you qualify in the name of Jesus. You with your old 
car that has never seen this big financial breakthrough, let me tell you something, my friend, there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. You're accepted in the Beloved. You are loved of God. You're His prized possession. You are valuable to Him. When He sees you, He finds His delight in you. Amen. He finds His delight in His work in you. He sees you as righteous. He sees you as perfect. For that is who you are in Jesus Christ. He doesn't come with demands and and this and that towards you. He says, you are my dwelling place. This is the word of God towards you. Peace on earth and goodwill towards you. He says, goodwill towards you. I see a good reputation in you. If you're a believer, I want to tell you, the Spirit of God dwells in you. It's like John says, you have the Holy Spirit and you need nothing. You are perfected. You can't say, well, listen, many people are happy with the stuff they have. The reason why they are not happy is because others aren't happy with the stuff they have. Amen. Amen. So, let's come to a place where we're not influenced like Peter was by the opinion of law-based people that don't understand this gospel. I don't say we're better than anybody, but let, let's say, let me say, let's not be influenced by that. If you look at the Apostle Paul, when he was amongst people, he couldn't even speak properly. He was, a, he was seen as timid. That's how he was seen. I, I read Galatians as well. You, you know, he was just seen as the soft guy. But when he was away, he said, I'll rather when I'm away use, use um, writing to correct you because maybe I will come over very harsh if I speak and then hurt some people. That was the type of guy he was. In today's life, he wouldn't have been seen as something. He would just be a nothing. And in the religious circles, he, he would have been seen as a troublemaker. For he would go around to, in, in, in days like today and he will preach and say, you don't have to tithe to be blessed. You don't have to have anything to do with the law of Moses. He will say the substance is not of Malachi, but it's of Christ. That's the, he, he, would do, he would say you don't have to submit to some church leader to be blessed. And people say he's a troublemaker. You know, and he would only have his four followers, you know, um, and people that are with him, and then here and there, small churches and houses. And he would say, oh man, what a pathetic thing. It's not even making an impact. But according to God's standard, it was the very truth of God. Loving people, caring for people, bringing the true gospel of Jesus Christ. So I want to encourage you, my friend, that you can walk in this unconditional love of God. And I want to end off with Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. And um, we can just see Paul's attitude towards the law and towards glorification at the end. My friend, when we talk about the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to see a manifestation of perfection. Complete, it's called glorification. In the, if we, let, let's use Bible terminology. It's glorification, the salvation of our bodies. It's called to be saved. We are saved now because we've got the Holy Spirit in us. But there's a salvation that is to come for the church. That salvation is to be saved from the things of this corruptible world. 
It's when this world will be changed into the glorious liberty of the church which is changed by Jesus at His coming or saved from death which is receiving immortality at the return of Jesus Christ. Now Paul, you know if we can know that now many people say we, we always want to make the thing a futuristic thing, a futuristic thing. If we just take the poor in South Africa and we want to give them the prosperity of Bill Gates, which prosperity cannot measure up with what Christ came to give us anyway. There's not enough money in the world to give everyone, give to everyone. There's not enough. Just for South Africa. What about Africa? What about China? What about India? So let's just wake up and see that, that there is provision for us in the way that God says, I know what your need is, I meet your need. But there's been a gospel preached, which I call the gospel of greed, which is, you're going to be so stinking rich. I don't say we will not have things. I don't say God will not provide for us. God will. There will always be those that are poor and there will always be those that, those that are middle class and there will always be those that are richer and then you'll get the super rich. you always get that. That's how it will be in this world until Jesus comes. And we can know that. And now we preach to the poor. You know, some of the political parties, they come and they say here, in, in, they go to the poorest of the poor and they say, if you vote for us, you're all going to get new BMWs. And then the people believe them and vote for them. And that's what I see so many times. People come with the gospel. They preach to people. They say to the poor, you're now going to have all these things if you start to believe in Jesus. And you're going to be so rich in the biggest house. And, and then if you poor people just give me 10% of what you own, you can give it to me, then you're going to be that rich. It's the same as what these political parties do. It's just lies. It's just lies. Make them rich in Christ. Let them see the, the true riches. Amen. And tell them that God cares for the birds. They will always care for their needs. And their needs can be different to our needs. My need can be that I can put in fuel for the cars and have an airplane ticket and have airtime on television, all that. That can be my need. God will meet that need. His need might be to have a, a new uh, turn sheet on his roof that it will not leak during the winter rain season. And God can give him that and he's happy. Amen. And, and let's teach this so that people can have contentment in their hearts. And when we try to make, manif make stuff manifest, which is to be manifested in the return of Jesus Christ, we're going to find it very, very difficult People are going to become despondent. They're going to see the church as a lying church. Now, Bertie, is there supernatural? Yes, there is the supernatural. I believe in that. And that supernatural is a sign of the kingdom to come. So when we see people being healed, it's a sign. And I believe I'm part of that. I'm part of that sign. That's why I walk in health. That's why, I, why my needs are met and I walk in that prosperity. Amen. What is prosperity? Prosperity is a consciousness of what you have. They're not a consciousness of what you don't have. Amen. I found that I'm richer than many millionaires because they're so worried about their stuff. I'm free. Amen. Right. Let's end off with Philippians 3 and just look at what Paul said about this. He says, But what things were gained to me, 
talk about the law, accounted loss for Christ. Yes, doubtless, yes, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the exaltation that comes through the acknowledgement of Jesus Christ my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know Him. Why do I want my own righteousness, not my own righteousness, but what Christ? That I may know and experience Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though as I have already attained or either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing, I do forget the law and the old things, uh, those things which are behind me and I'm reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press towards the mark for the prize, there's a prize, of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as are perfect, in other words, saved, be thus minded. And if any be of you be other minded, God shall reveal even this unto him. So what he's saying here is, he says there's a time coming when, when he will attain unto that for which Christ has got a hold of him. So, he says Christ got a hold of us for a certain purpose. That purpose was that we can be saved and become immortal as he is, never dying, ever living. There will be a time when that will come. When will that be? He calls it, calls it the resurrection of the dead. So he said, this is going to happen after I've died. Okay? So he said, this is going to happen after I've died. But I don't want to be part of the law system, but I want to be part of the grace system, so that I can be part of what God wants me to be part of. That I can find the purpose of which Christ grabbed the whole of me, manifest in my life, at the return of Jesus Christ. Amen. So, Paul's life was this, and I want to tell you, this is what our lives must consist out of. A love relationship with God, knowing the unconditional love of God towards us. Amen. Walking in this, this revelation, guarding our hearts against the law system, spreading this gospel to people in a confident expectation of the return of Jesus Christ, immortality at His return, and the resurrection from the dead, if we should die before He has returned. Amen. And there we will see this absolute perfection. But while that happens, God, while we wait, we are not becoming despondent, for God gives us patience. A patient person is not irritated. You know, with... Well, I don't have this now, I don't have... He's just patient. Oh, thank God. You know, God's good to me. For He's given... To a patient person, something doesn't feel long. And He gives us patience. 
But if we get a wrong gospel that says we must manifest everything now, we'll never have anything. Amen. So, thank God that we can have peace. Now, you might say, Bathy, but preaching like that will cause nobody to give towards your ministry and all that type of thing. Well, let me tell you, people do give. People are part of this ministry. They don't feel they're part of a thing that's not successful. This is successful because of what we minister. That's our success. We're not trying to be successful. We're ministering the success of the cross. And I believe that this message will be preached all over the world. We will have our own television stations. We'll have all those things. The finances that will come this way will be of God. It will, be, it will come from the hearts of people that free feel they freely want to be part of this. And that's it. And that's how you, my friend, will prosper. That's how you, as a leader and, a, and a, a teacher of the Word of God, will prosper because that's God's way. Amen. If you're a businessman, do your business. Be led by the Holy Spirit. Speak to God. If you've got a need, let me tell you, if you've got a need that says, I want to be a giver, just make your need known to God and He will meet your need according to His riches and glory. Amen. He'll provide for you in a way that you can give. Isn't that w- wonderful? That is just the way it is. So, if you want that, ask God. Whatever you want, ask God. Let Him give it to you freely by the cross of Jesus Christ. Don't try and work it up. Don't try and be super spiritual. Know that He's a Father that loves you and cares for you. Amen. Now, if you've got sickness in your body, I'd like to pray for you. You might say, Bertie, but must I now just be content with my sickness? No, the Bible says, God has given us power. He says, go and heal the sick. Cleanse the leper. Raise the dead. And that is the... That is showing forth the power of this kingdom which is already in my heart through the Holy Spirit. And it's a sign of what is going to come at the return of Jesus Christ. So we as the church, I believe we are a light shining forth into this world concerning what Jesus Christ has done. So we can be healed. We can have all our needs met. We can have joy and all those things in our lives. So I want to pray for you and I want to uh, um, see that manifest in your life. If you've got sickness in your body, you don't have to sit with cancer, HIV, AIDS, um, you know, sugar diabetes, uh, gout, whatever sickness you have. God is there to heal you. You qualify. And maybe you've looked at your finances. Maybe you've looked at all those things. You think, I don't qualify for God to do it for me. The Bible says, Christ has made us qualified in Second Corinthians chapter 3. Our qualification is of God. He has set us up. We are qualified by Christ. Amen. So I would like you to just put your hand there where your pain or your discomfort or sickness is. If you've got financial trouble, I'm going to pray for you right now. And I believe you will see your needs met for our God will meet all your needs according to His riches in glory. Father, I just come right now. I stretch forth my hand to those people that watch. I thank you that they are touched and impacted by your gospel of grace. I thank you that they are set free by that which you have done in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for that, my God. I bring healing to arthritis. I bring healing to sugar diabetes. I bring healing to cancer, weakness of the body, bad eyesight, deafness, people struggle to hear, neck problems, shoulder problems, all types of um, uh, uh, osteoporosis. I just say, body, be healed now. In Jesus' mighty name. 
I thank you, Father, that I declare every need people have met. If their need is to be a giver, I say that need is met in Jesus Christ. If their need is, is they need a car because they cannot walk, their car is broken, I say it is met in Jesus Christ. If they need a place to stay and to repair the place where they stay, I say that need is met in Jesus Christ. Whatsoever desire there is in the hearts of people, it is met in Jesus. Thank you that we can rest, make our uh, needs known to you. You meet it because of what Jesus Christ has done and people are blessed. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, people, I will not be doing... Uh, broadcasts every day from Mon- you know Monday, Tuesday, Thursday and Friday and then next week Monday and um, even Sunday we will have a rebroadcast I am not going to be here for this week we are going to go to Zimbabwe to a place called Gokwe between um, Harare and uh, Bulawayo it's about a 4 hour drive from Harare and we are going to go to Gokwe and we are going to have a nice crusade there with uh, um, Word of Life World Outreach and um, I think it's Word of Life World Outreach I don't know what, what the new name is that was the old name with Stephen Willifier is going to be so so blessed um, I know that many people are going to receive salvation many people are going to receive this I'm going to preach in the pastors conference they're expecting uh, between 50 and 70 pastors and then in a crusade, it's in a rural area, it, they say anything between five and 15,000 people can pitch up at the crusade. So, I'm excited to be part of that. So, if you want to pray for me, pray for me for that. Zimbabwe is really, really a, a poor country at this, at, at this time. It is not safe at night there. Um, people don't drive at night at, at all. There's just too many animals, people with guns and stuff because it's real poverty. But those of you that, that feel like, when you think of it, thank you, you pray for us, and uh, we will come back with a crusade report on that. So, um, yeah, this week I will not be, be here then. So, thank you, for, thank you very much for watching. I know that this is just going to impact your life um, as you listen to this again in the rebroadcast. Make sure that you're on Gracestream TV. This will also be, if you want, want to tell your friends about this, it will be on Dynamic Ministries Dot com. And thank you so much. Remember this one thing, that God loves you and that you can always enjoy the love of God. Amen.